Welcome to the Axiom Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Devin Dash. Today is episode 67. I'm here with Joey Brannon. Hello, everybody. And today we are going to be talking about sabbatical days. It's an interesting topic when you think about it. How, how often do you rest? I mean, that's really what we, we talk about when we're talking about the word sabbatical. It's not, it doesn't have to be super religious. Um, we're talking about rest, and, and it's usually associated with, I think, academic-type work, but and, and more thinking-oriented jobs. But today, we're going to be talking about it as it relates to business. So, Joey, where does and where do sabbatical days come into play in the business context? Well, when you talk about, I think everybody has probably maybe heard of sabbaticals, but isn't necessarily familiar with what what purpose they serve or what happens during a sabbatical unless you're in academics or you're related to somebody in academics and you kind of see you know they they take this time off and it's um it's t- you know it's very common in academics so you're a tenured professor and maybe every seven eight ten years you know you basically get a semester off or a year off and um, and then the, the in academics, you might go do research. You know, you might might pursue research. You might become a student. You know, kind of um, go into an area that's maybe an unrelated field, but it's basically just meant to recharge, refresh, recover. And uh, and we're seeing it more and more uh, brought into business context. It's been a, we kind of talk about uh, where it's been prevalent for quite some time. Different companies. Uh, who've adopted kind of a, a time-off model as a way to keep their knowledge workers, you know, recharged, refreshed, productive, creative. Mm-hmm. But the the whole idea of a sabbatical, I mean, probably the the most sabbatical comes from the word Sabbath, and meaning rest. And the, you know, we see that in like the Old Testament, right? So you know, God created the earth in six days, and the seventh day He rested, and then He gives the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel, and you know, you should remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Right? And so yep. along with like, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit <laughs> right. adultery, thou shalt not have any idols. There's also like, you shall rest. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's interesting that uh, this concept of rest should be put on the same plane as things like don't murder people. Yeah. Right? And so you're like, well, where does that come? Like, why is that? Why, why would you put such uh, an emphasis on don't work and you see and you know in the old testament it's the story of the nation of israel and jewish people and they they came to take this extraordinarily serious you know mm-hmm. there's all oh, you read the new testament and there's jesus was always getting in trouble you know for breaking the sabbath and yeah. you're like where did these crazy rules come from you know because uh, i mean remember the sabbath and keep it holy to like if your donkey falls in a ditch, don't pull it out. You know, like, where did that come from, right? And if you go to, if, if you look at modern-day practicing Jews, like, even things like your refrigerator light can't come on on the Sabbath, right? And so it's like the new refrigerators have a Sabbath mode where you push a button, you know, the day before, and the next day the light won't even come on. You're lying. No, I'm serious. And what? So there's all of these, um, you take something, and the, the point that I'm making is that um, why was this taken so seriously? You know, you can you can argue with the fact that well, they've taken a principle and they've just built a lot of extra rules around it that maybe weren't intended originally. But the principle is foundational. So why the principle of rest? And if you look at you know from a biblical context, and this is not a 
theology podcast or a religion podcast, but if you look at why were the why were the Jews given those Ten Commandments? It was to preserve the nation of Israel. It was to set them apart from everybody around them so that they could survive for the next several thousand years until Jesus could arrive from the nation of Israel. His, his lineage could continue. And you see, like, during that time, that ancient time, like, peoples are coming and going, mm-hmm. right? You know, so, like, there's there's not an Assyrian nation, right? There's not an Assyrian people. Like, I get it that you go to Iraq and Iran, and yes, there, there are some descendants there, but not the same way there is a Jewish people, right? And so you could make the argument, and I would make the argument, that in those kind of Old Testament principles and those Old Testament commandments, they're meant to to essentially preserve a, a people. They are for the good of those people. And so it's interesting that along with like, hey, don't murder your neighbor, mm-hmm. that, that's pretty good at preserving your people, right? <laughs> that's, that builds a constructive society and a healthy, a healthy society. Right. But right alongside that is this commandment to rest. Mm. And so you have to think, well, that we should, we should take that seriously. And so we do take it, you know, if, you, if, you, um, if you're in a Western society, you do take it seriously. You know, you work five days, maybe six days, and you get a day off. Now, what you do on that day off, you know, some people, some people work harder at play on their <laughs> weekend day off than they do working during the week, you know, work hard, play hard kind of thing. But I do want to, like, pull back and say if it's, if it's that important in terms of preservation and it's for the good of, of, a, of a group and for the good of the individuals in the group to rest – we probably, in, as, as business owners, as business leaders, as people who are involved in trying to pursue visions, we should probably also take that mandate just as seriously and say, am I resting? Am I resting on a, on a weekly basis? Am I resting on a monthly, a quarterly, an annual? And then like when you get out, like, are, you taking, are you taking any breaks? Are you taking any extended breaks every several years yeah. to just recharge and refresh? Yeah, and I, I love that you... I, I feel like I have to disclaim again, like this is not a theology podcast. I, I happen to believe that the Bible is true and I love it. I'm a little bit of a nerd when it comes you know, to it. I, I think you know, people who profess to be followers of Christ should be nerds when it comes sure. to the Bible. And I love that you mentioned the idea of preserving in, in the context of this idea of Sabbath and where it comes from, because it, in two different contexts in the Bible, that command is given. In the first one, it's preserving in the fact that God gives the commandment in the context of, I'm your God. I provide for you. I care for you. I, I do, like, I'm your creator. And then the other context, it applies specifically to work. And in it, you know, in Deuteronomy, it's where God says, I brought you out of the land of Egypt, where they were slaves. And there were no days off. Where they, they were, were forced slaves. to work, <laughs> right. right? And their identity was wrapped up in their work. So the idea of preserving is so important when it comes to this idea of sabbatical, because if you're a business owner and you're listening, it might, it might, this might rub you the wrong way initially, but I want you to lean into it, is your identity, who you are as a person, is not dependent upon how well you run your business. And if it is, then you probably should Sabbath. Right. Now, that doesn't, that, that's not to say you could do a lot of things to, to run your business poorly, and that would, be an out, that would be a consequence and an outflow of your character, I would say. 
but to the extent that if something bad happens in your business, that's, that does, has no bearing right. on you as a business owner unless you're directly responsible for it, sure. I think. Right? So I think that idea of like rest being the, a preserving mechanism for business owners is also as them to say y- your job, your responsibilities might be intertwined with the business but as a person, like you are not the sum total of all the work effort that you've ever put in. Yeah. Well, and it's uh, it's when we talk about sabbaticals and Sabbath and rest, like I do think we we are big on rhythms, right? Yeah. So like our Agenda Fifty Two system is basically you know we have weekly rhythms with teams, we have monthly rhythms with teams, we have quarterly rhythms, we have annual rhythms, and I think the same applies. I don't think you can just say, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna work six seven days a week, six and a half days a week. And then, you know, uh, for 20 years and then I'll sell my business and I'll take three years off, make up for all that lost time and then jump back in. Like, it, it, there has to be a rhythm to it as yeah. well. And we talk about preservation, but I like what you said about identity, because if you have a frequent rhythm of, of say, disconnecting on a weekly basis and saying, you know, one day I'm not going to think about, talk about, work on philosophize on try to solve problems in the business even though i'm not i mean right nowadays you don't have to be you can work from anywhere right so nowadays you don't it's not enough to just say i'm not going to the office that used to be enough you know 20 years ago you say well of course i'm not working i'm not going to the office because i had to go to the office to work you don't have to do that now but if you will if you'll say if you'll set the more strict boundaries i'm not even going to think about it i'm going to engage myself in other and th- things other than work it really starts to highlight that difference for you it's kind of like a gift where you're constantly reminded at least on a weekly basis my identity isn't the business yeah. i have an identity as as a neighbor as a husband as a father as a as a gardener as a woodworker as a, a handyman around the house or as a you know i don't know if sports fanatic would is would be able to advocate <laughs> for the Sabbath day rest, but you know, you know, like uh, I was reading a book on this a little while ago, and uh, you know, somebody was asking, "Is it okay to like play golf?" They're, they're asking their pastor, "Is it okay to play golf?" You know, on the Sabbath, can I do that? And I was mm-hmm. like, "Well, is it, does it energize you? Does it refresh you? Is it taking away from the other people who need to be energized and refreshed on that day too? Like, it can't just be all be about you and you ignore your family and stuff, but." Um, but I, I do think like there's all kinds of opportunities for you to quote unquote rest. Mm-hmm. I think the the imperative is not working. Right. <laughs> right? Right. So right. Exactly. The other side of that is oh well you know I don't work uh, I don't do work on the weekends because you know I'm renovating our house you know and I wake up at six o'clock Saturday morning and, and go to bed at at eleven o'clock Sunday evening having you know worked twenty hours over the two days on. House run. Okay, well, your job just because you're doing that doesn't mean you're rest and refreshed and refreshed and creative and ready to go back to the work on Monday morning. So it's kind of this prohibition on work. Yeah. You got to define what work is. I think for most of our clients, and particularly most of the people who might be listening, like who needs the Sabbath? Like who who needs time away or who needs yeah. sabbaticals? And maybe the litmus test is like, if you can do your job in the shower, you need a sabbatical. <laughs> and I you know, say that's like, you and I both, you're, like, yeah. you're, you're doing whatever mundane thing, right? But your head is on the next client. Your head is on the next business problem. Your head is in the next opportunity. 
And that's what you have to pull yourself out of in order to realize the benefits of sabbatical or rest. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. All great ideas come in the shower, by the way. Yeah. Right. I refuse to get the little uh, waterproof notes, you know, that you can like write in the shower with. Have you seen those? No, not yeah. yet. So there's like this little like, waterproof pad. You can like, uh, that's going a little bit too far. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, and this is, so let's, let's kind of p- pull away from, um, you know, the, the, the principle and where it comes from and the old Testament and, and the origination and, and God giving us something that's good for us. But just like this principle is now like becoming more and more widely recognized in the biz, particularly in the business context. Yeah. And there was a Ted talk. I can't remember. It's at least five years ago, probably a guy named Stefan Sagmeister, a big splash. He's a designer. I uh, did a lot, lots of album covers and stuff like that. And, um, was, was very kind of the height of his game. Uh, but started noticing that all of his work was looking the same. And you can actually there's go watch this TED Talk because he gives a couple of visual examples, really interesting, where he says like a die cut, uh, there's like a gla- glass eye and a die cut in a book, and then he did like a die cut for a perfume bottle packaging, and he's like, this is basically the same idea. Like we're not, <laughs> we're not really scratching the surface on creativity. We're just right. taking the same idea and applying it to different products. Yeah. And as a designer and a creative, like he was, he had the foresight to see like, this isn't good. Like we're actually not doing the thing that we love to do. Now we're just producing. We're not creating. Right. So he shut down his design firm for a year and went on sabbatical. And now he does this every seven years. You know, like we talk about where did this stuff originate? Like it's in the Bible. Right. Like every seventh year you'll do this. And so you know, he's adopted this seven-year rhythm. So after seven years, he closes his practice for a year. And he puts it out to all of his clients and says, we're, ex- we're taking the year to experiment. Hmm. And we'll be back on this date. Please contact us then. So they like shut. The- I mean, and he does work for, you know, I don't Fortune 100 companies, right? They big names hire him um, to do work, and so he's he basically says we're not going to do that. And he talks about the first time that he did it. You know, it was kind of scary, but he realized inside him like I got to do this. Obviously, big financial risk. Yep. You know, obviously like big um, like longevity risk. What if all the clients find other design firms during the year when we're checked out? But he said that he you know he made his he. He told as many people as he possibly could that he was going to do it so that he couldn't chicken out. Later. <laughs> and they closed the doors and he did it. And then the, and you fast forward, and he said it was actually, uh, it worked out very well in the long run financially. They actually became more profitable than they would have been had they stayed open for that year and done the same numbers they'd done the year before. Wow. Managed to grow through it. And the other th- interesting thing, he said basically all the projects that we did, all the design work we did for the next seven years, came out of the work that was done in the sabbatical. So you're like, oh, Fascinating. okay, that's, so that's cool, right? So this, so this guy, this, you know, he owns his own business. He's a designer. They're kind of eccentric. Like that will never work for my business, right? But Intel has had this policy for a long time. I think going back to maybe since they're found, I'm not sure. But every, um, every seven years, you get eight weeks off. And uh, you have three years to use that eight weeks. So what they're trying to avoid there is like you get to the, the end of the 
the seven years and it's like, Hey, you got to use your eight weeks. And I was like, oh, I can't use, I'm, I'm right in the middle of a new product launch and it's going to last a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Right. But they're like, no, no, you, you've got the, you've earned the time and take as much time as you need within the three years to plan for it. And, you know, they want you to plan and be able to hand things off. But, yeah. uh, I think Intel has been pretty successful following yeah. that policy. Google famously has had a policy allowing their software engineers to take 20% of their time for personal projects. 3M has done the same thing. I think 3M is like 15% their engineers can take for personal projects. And from that, we get scotch tape and post-it notes and <laughs> lots of other stuff. So my point is, it works, yeah. right? This yeah. idea of you can't, the biggest fear, I think, for most business owners is like, if I were to step out of the seat and all the plates stop spinning, you know, fine, that's going to be a financial disaster. But with enough planning, you can do it. I think the first step, though, is like recognizing the need for it. Yeah. Yeah, I like where you, you know, a little bit while back, you talked about uh, Stefan, right? Stefan Stagmeister. And he was able to identify that it was a problem. And I want to dig a little bit further, right? Because we, we, look, we asked the question, who should be taking sabbaticals? Well, St- Stefan was was the owner. He was, if you would say, the lead designer, the executive designer for his firm. Like, who else should be taking sabbaticals? And, and I think in line with what you said earlier is he identified it as a problem, is why is it a risk for that, for, for the, whoever is supposed to, should be taking sabbaticals? What are the risks if they don't? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the problem with knowledge work and i think that's what we're largely going to be referring to the problem with knowledge work is that um it it whether you want it to or not it will consume part of you for a while right Uh, pretty much every day even though like i say i'm not gonna i'm gonna take sundays off and that's gonna be my sabbath day and i'm gonna disconnect and unplug i still know what's coming monday Mm -hmm. i still know what's coming tuesday wednesday thursday Friday. And so, so mentally and physically, there's some biochemical stuff going on. There, there are stress hormones being released so that I am ready to tackle that stuff. Like I can't let my guard completely down or I won't be able to get back up right. enough time to be ready for the Monday morning meeting. So, so um, when you're talking about businesses or business owners or people who are in leadership positions in business, that takes a toll. And, you know, you can go... Um, you, you can go a while. You might be able to go two or three or four years potentially um, trying to run at that pace where, you know, I'm, I'm basically working, you know, call it, uh, you know, five and three quarters days a week. <laughs> so I'm giving a piece of my Saturday. I might catch up on some email or check my calendar and a piece of my Sunday mentally, even though yeah. I'm trying not to. I'm going that. And you can run at that pace for a while. But then what we see is like when people take, they finally take the two-week vacation. You know, after, man, it's been four years since I took a two-week vacation. I'm getting ready to take a two-week vacation. I don't think it's been four years. But, you know, they, you see the results when they come back. You're like, man, or they feel the results when they come back. Mm-hmm. Rested, recharged, enthusiastic about the work, like can't wait to get there. If that's how you feel after taking the, the one week or the two week break, that's kind of a sign that you were probably burned out without knowing it. And I think we talk about burnout only when it's catastrophic. You know, we talk right. about burnout when it leads to a health crisis. We talk about burnout when it leads to panic attack or anxiety attack or or depression. You know, and we've talked to plenty of business owners who they get into their late 30s, 
late 40s and they've been burning that candle with no rest and, and no real committed time to unplug for an extended period and they're, they suffer depression. That might not meet necessarily a clinical standard, but all the other hallmarks are there. They're not enthusiastic about their work. Their relationships are suffering at home. They're disconnected from their spouse and their kids. They don't have a lot of um, their friends outside aren't really seeing them. Those relationships have been gone by the wayside. And, you know, we talk, we focus on the work performance, but a lot of times they can kind of keep the ball spinning with work. The question isn't, like what is what it all is going bad at work? It's like what are all the things that aren't going as well as they could be? Hmm. You know, so it's kind of like the opportunity cost side of the equation. You can't look at the hard cost. You look at the things that we weren't able to do. We look at the ways we weren't able to grow because somebody was burning the candle at both ends. Yeah, and you know that that's so key just to to look at it from the perspective of okay, the business is stagnant, right, or slow growth, right. Yeah, I'm not to say, and I'm not saying that it's if your business has been, you know, if you were used to, you know, eight, nine, ten percent growth year over year, and now you've you've slugged to three, four, five percent growth, or even less, or no growth, that's that doesn't necessarily mean that you should probably take a sabbatical, but maybe it's an indicator of I'm not really innovating, I'm not really thinking outside of the box, like we're just sort of maintaining and doing what we've always done, and. Maybe that's a sign that we're still being productive. Like we're still doing the same amount of work that we've done, you know, when growth when growth hit its peak. But the the question should maybe start to creep in as it. Okay, what are we missing? Like yeah. we're we're still as productive, but what do we need to do to be more productive? Like that's the innovative, creative mm-hmm. juice that needs to go into your brain. That would you know we're proposing comes from. like unplugging and getting time away. Yeah. And sometimes those external hallmarks aren't there, you know, so you might be, you might be going, well, I kind of feeling that stuff. I'm kind of feeling that burnout, but we've been growing by 20% a year. Um, So I I think, yes, from maybe it may have something to do with the size of the organization. So what I'm saying is like in smaller businesses where the owner operator is plugged into a lot more key functions and their leadership capacity has much more to do with the actual productive output of the business. And you see stagnant top line revenue. You're like, Oh man, this, this person could be leading to burnout. You get into a larger organization with a larger leadership team. Right. And you might, you, it, that might be hidden a little bit because you know, we, we went through some mergers and we, we acquired some businesses or we launched some new products or we got a new sales manager and, and we're growing. Hey, we're growing. I, it can't be burnout that I'm experiencing. Or it can't be lack of rest. Yes, it can be. So I think the other thing that to, to introspectively ask, which you kind of have to be the own, your, your own judge of it, but yeah. you could also go to some people close to you is like, am I still the same leader that I was two or three years ago? Am I still putting out the same kinds of fires? Am I still getting sucked into the same things that I was getting sucked into two or three years ago? Have I developed personally, professionally much over the last three, four or five years? If I look at, uh, you know, here's another, another way to potentially ask the question. If I fast forward the tape over the next three or four years and I'm doing the same things that I'm doing now three or four years from now, am I happy? I think we all look in the rearview mirror and kind of self-justify. Mm-hmm. So then you go, if I could go back in time three years ago, and if I were, if you were to ask three year ago me, 
hey, uh, you're going to be doing the exact same things three years from now that you're doing now. Would I be happy with that? No, I wouldn't. Well, how much have you unplugged? How much time have you taken away from the business during that time? Because you can just keep working the same problems and not really solve the problem. You're just addressing the symptoms. So uh, I I think when we talk to business leaders and business owners, um, that question, uh, you know, there's there's a, a saying, I think it's Global Leadership Summit was always fond of saying, when the leader improves, every everybody benefits. Yeah. You know, yeah. Everybody gets better when a leader gets better. And, you know, your people are looking to you to – be, be better this year than last year. Certainly they want a leader who's different five years from now. Right. But if you're not investing time in yourself, that's where the leadership comes from. It comes from you. It doesn't come from a system. It doesn't come from a process. You and I can't wave you know, a, a tool or a spreadsheet in front of a business and have it make everybody better leaders. It comes from them investing in their, their own leadership capacity. And that just takes time. Yeah. I want to go back to you You used Intel and you used Google as examples. You also mentioned 3M. Uh, when we talk about sabbatical, I think practically speaking, like what, you know, you kind of alluded to it that weekend days or maybe it's, you know, it's a week off. You mentioned two weeks off. What really qualifies? And I'm, I'm asking that question for like you going back to the Google example, like it's great that we take 20% of our time for personal time. But if we look at a five-day week, that means one day a week I'm taking off. Like, I can plan a four-day week sure. and never unplug. Sure. So what, what really qualifies as a sabbatical day? And, and are there – it's more than just time off. So what are some of the other – So I think it's uh, – that's a really good insight. So I think maybe there's two things to it. One is you're not working. But two is you are doing something. Right. <laughs> it's not it's – not, lay on the couch and veg and recharge. And it's interesting, Stefan Sagmeister, I believe, talked about this in his TED Talk, where the first one, the first sabbatical that he took, now we're talking about a year off, right? right. And the first one, he was like, well, it's just going to kind of organically happen. I'm just going to find the things that interest me and get pulled into those. And, and he said what happened is he just became subject to all the little requests that came the, his way. You know, mm-hmm. so this magazine wants an interview or this group wants you to come talk to their students or, you know, this friend wants you to make a trip out, you know, and, and talk to his design firm about what you're doing. And that wasn't extraordinarily helpful in helping him recharge. So the second time or maybe I don't know, the second or third, maybe it was some point in the middle of that first time, he actually put structure to his weeks. You know, he, we talked about the ideal week uh, a few weeks ago, the default week with Mike Thackeray, and it's yep. very similar in that he said, you know, here's what I, on this morning I'm going to write. On this, you know, from this, in this block of time, I'm going to think about the future. During this block of time in the afternoon, I'm going to create things from local crafts. He talked about doing uh, one of his sabbaticals. He went to Bali because he'd done the U.S. and he'd done Europe and he wanted to do something different. So he went to Bali and great local craft tradition. So he's like, what, how can I make products using like local crafts or local craftsmanship principles? And just forcing himself to, to think or to act in ways that would use his brain. Mm-hmm. And I think when you look at the academic or the um, uh, ecumenical, like you know, a lot of clergy and stuff will also take sabbaticals, and none of them are just going and sitting on the beach for extended periods of time. You know, right. Bill Gates famously does this every you know, one week out of the year. He does his think week where he goes to this secluded cabin you can only get to by, by a float plane. 
and he takes a ungodly number of books like huge books and he might say i'm going to study cellular biology this year and he's got 20 25 books on cellular biology and he goes does a deep dive and he just reads and thinks and takes notes and you know that's one of the well-known stories is he came back from one of those weeks and said hey this internet thing like this can be a big deal every one of our products has to move to an internet-based model and that's what born microsoft 365 and so uh, I do think that there needs to be some structure to it. So, for instance, let's go from, like, the, the weekly all the way up to, like, if you're going to take a year off. Yeah. The weekly. What is the weekly? What does the weekly sabbatical look like? Well, you and I both, you know, like I, I, my sabbatical, my Sabbath is a Sunday. Uh, it's also my day of worship, and that is definitely recharging for me. So, like, the, I know there's, there's definitely structure to my Sundays, like, Sunday morning is worship, and it's community with friends and people that I want to see and people that I want to uh, check in with and just build more deep relationships with. And in the afternoon is, you know, I might take some personal time to go out in the garage and, and build a project in the garage. I love woodworking. I love working with my hands. Um, or I might build something, you know, welding or whatever. And then in the usually like that, I try to not take too much time away from my family. That And then the evenings are like, it's just family time. You know, from yeah. like four four o'clock on, we're cooking dinner or cooking out or we're in the pool in the summer. And and so when I say, you know, what is, what is my rhythm of recharge that works for me, there's a structure to it. And I can tell you if uh, – if something interrupts that and we don't go to church or I do like lay on the couch and watch a football game for three or four hours, I get to the end of my day and I don't feel rested and recharged. I feel right. off. Now, part of that might be because I, I like routine or I like, you know, right, whatever. Right, but right. but um, I do think there needs to be some structure to it. No. You, so I'm, I'm going to go back and I, I, I'm curious to see. I remember reading something a while back on the neuroscience of rest. And it it's, you mentioned like, I'm not saying it was the football game that makes you feel unrested necessarily. Right. Um, but it's the idea that if you want to rest, if you truly want your mind to rest in, in a way that is going to allow you to gain insights and that you, you might not otherwise get just in your normal routine. The trick is, According to this article, I can't remember where it was at. I just remember reading You're it. I have to dig it up. For I will. The show notes I will dig it up for the show notes. Is it's not about shutting your brain off. Like you can't do that. Right. It's about exercising the side of your brain that is opposite. Now, you know, and this might be a myth in, in neuroscience, but it's kind of like if I'm more analytical in nature and like I spend a lot of time doing thought work, and it's not designing buildings or it's not creating things with my hands like it's i'm working in spreadsheets then a way for you to rest and retreat might be pick up a pencil or pick up a box of crayons and i say this like very explicitly i've done it from experience or pick up an instrument and just play it to to maybe you leverage the more creative less the less analytical side of your brain and to to make it to force it to to work and be active sure um you know, I I say that's a myth because like there's some to some extent like there's the neuroplasticity is like the brain there's that's people who are more left brained are not more analytical or right, whatever. Right. But I think it, like it's safe to say that the point of the article was do something that you don't normally do. Yeah. Not doing nothing. A lot of people say, well, I'll just like for me, it's really resting to like just 
binge watch YouTube or my right. the favorite show on Netflix. It's like, well, is it really restful? Right. I mean, I can't be the judge of that individual, but yeah, I the, think that the the, the uh, maybe a distinction that we could make, and maybe this is helpful, maybe it's just too elementary, but there is definitely like, um, there's there's I'm tired. I need physical rest. Like I'm physically exhausted, and if that's the case, you know. You know, taking a, a nice hot shower and plopping down in front of Netflix, you know, that that's going to rest your body and right. you may feel better afterwards. But if I'm not physically exhausted, uh, but I need a mental break and I go plop down and I mean, I know this from experience, like Netflix, binge watch Netflix, I feel worse <laughs> at the end. Um so when we talk about the, so that we, that's like a, so that's like the once a week, like you got to take, you got to take regular breaks, but here's the other side. Like one of the things we encourage, what we encourage ourselves to do internally at Axiom, which I've proven very poor at recently. Uh, but we also encourage our clients to do, and just did it just the other day, um, is take maybe once a quarter, take a day and make that your sabbatical day. Yeah. We also do C12, which I think for me is is somewhat of a sabbatical if I can really unplug. But that's hard. You know, that's it's hard I, I, in an ideal situation, maybe. But unfortunately, it lands right smack dab in the middle of the yep. week and nothing else moves around it. So you're stuck with it. But uh, going back to that idea of like um, with three in or, or Intel, like we're going to give you time to plan this so you can clear the decks and you can really unplug it. on a quarterly basis. You should be able to arrange your schedule and say, hey, I've got a day in the office on, say, Wednesday and I don't have a lot of stuff going on on Friday, but there's some stuff I need to be here for. And this Thursday, that's three or four weeks out, I'm going to make that my sabbatical yeah. day and I'm going to clear the decks on Thursday, I'm going to get all that work done. Anything that doesn't get done, I'm going to have time for Friday morning. And so Thursday's going to be my sabbatical day. So what qualifies as a sabbatical day? What do you, how do you make that Thursday a, a sabbatical, even if it's just for a day? And it does, it does require, I think, some structure, but not a lot. It just has, to your point earlier, it has to be different from what you've normally done. Like, a sabbatical day can't be, I'm still going to come into the office and I'm going to sit in front of my computer and I'm going to get all of the, maybe I love spreadsheets, you know, and I've been wanting to do the spreadsheet to forecast this or that for a long time. And I'm going to come in and I'm going to work. That's going to be my sabbatical. And I'm really looking forward to that, right? Right. But you're going to find it doesn't yield any of the creative insight or other benefits or the renewal that come from stepping outside of whatever is your normal day to day. And for a lot of our business owners, like they are neck deep in, in either spreadsheets or relationships or, you know, what have you in the operations of the business. And so for, for us, what we encourage ourselves to do and what I try to hold you guys accountable to do is take that one day, a quarter, go off somewhere by yourself with a journal and maybe a Bible if that's what you want, but try to put your phone away and not check email and not doing that stuff and just think, right? And I think, I think the reason that we approach it that way is because our normal day-to-day is often just crammed with the activity of meeting with clients and getting ready for appointments and follow-up with appointments. And how often do we have time to just say, hey, I'm going to think, I'm not going to think about a client. I'm not going to think about getting ready for something or what I have to do. I'm going to think about 
you know, the business, my role in the business, what the opportunities are in the business, what the things that we could accomplish are. Hmm. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to bring those insights at the end of the day to the team. And I know from experience, those days can be laborious. You know, it can feel like two or three hours before I can really settle down and not, not be thinking about the stuff that has to get done tomorrow or the next day or next week. Uh, but that, that is where some really incredible ideas have come from ideas that you know we've turned into products or we've turned into ways of working with clients and um and it's because um, like you were saying i'm using a different i'm forcing myself to think in a different way or use a different approach than i would normally do where i'd be sitting down at my desk and just be like okay here's the checklist for getting ready for the next appointment yeah yeah so i i what are what are the lessons? Because we've talked about it a lot, and I think the implication to business owners here is take a sabbatical. So, but be, like, what what I think, I hopefully they're they're they have a healthy level of skepticism, and they're going, yeah, yeah, okay. But really, like, it's great that this one guy on TED does it for a year, and he takes like he takes a year off, and his business is actually more profitable. But that that doesn't work for me because I have employees who are in the in the field every day working and they need to be in the field every day working because we offer 24-hour demand service or or what have you so what are the lessons like get what are the opportunities there so i think number one like if you don't have a weekly rhythm of stepping away from truly stepping away from the work mentally and physically you're probably you're probably near burning that candle at both ends and you just need to institute a practice of whether, you're, whether it's a Sunday or a Saturday or a Thursday, like there needs to be a day you can step away and not think about the business. Second is if you're not able to step away and take a vacation time for at least a week or two, then you know, you're missing it. You're missing the benefits of that time away from the day-to-day uh, where you're going to come back renewed, refreshed, recharged, eager to get back to your work. Right. So we meet a lot of business owners who aren't doing that. We meet a lot of leaders who wear kind of a badge of pride. Like, I can't leave for a week. My team wouldn't be able to survive without me. Well, let me tell you, you're a crappy leader if that's the case, right? And then here's the truth. Your team will be just fine without you. And there are lots of examples where the team not only is just fine, they actually thrive in your absence because they've taken all the good things from you in terms of direction and what you want them to accomplish but without you changing course or without you coming and layering on another layer of priority for that particular week or a fire that has to be put out, they're actually able to focus and get a little bit more traction. It's also the case that a lot of your people just need the freedom of you not being in the business to find out what they are capable of. Uh, Tom Pellegrino, a good friend of mine, uh, is in my C12 group. You know, he he went, found himself in the hospital for three or four weeks several years ago. And he says, during that time, his business grew 30% without him even there. And you got to believe that some of his people who, who maybe didn't think that they were able to close deals or sign up new business found out they were pretty capable because of the tools Tom had given them before, but maybe they just never had the opportunity to exercise and, and fail at, you know, that's the other thing. Like if, if the business owner isn't there and, you are stuck having to do the best you can and you and you fail like what's the business owner going to do come back and yell at you you know it's like it's it's one of those opportunities when the business owner isn't there 
maybe the risks for failure, the perceived risks of, of failure are lower. And so it encourages people to step out of their comfort zone and take a little bit more risk, fail, learn from those mistakes yep. and come back later. So I think that the, the vacation thing definitely qualifies. And I think that some type of extended leave of absence is also, it doesn't, ha I mean, a year is a tough nut to crack, right? I mean, how many businesses could survive the business itself shutting down for a year? Probably not many. Small design firm, maybe. Yeah. Large heating and AC company, probably not, right? But as a, as a business owner or, say, as a general manager or a sales manager, and you've been doing this for 15 years, you know, or 20 years or 25 years, um, you can't find a way in there. Like you've got seven, eight, ten years of tenure at a particular company, and you can't say to the business owner, hey, like I'd really like to take six weeks of leave maybe two years from now. Some, and, you know, I'd, I kind of like it to be paid. <laughs> you know, I'm just speaking pragmatically. Right, like right. It's, it'd be really nice if you could take that six weeks and not have any of the 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 worry of like, oh my gosh, like I'm not getting paid during this time. Well, you're two years out. So a business owner says, I tell you what, uh, you're normal. You're getting like three weeks of vacation now. We're basically talking about an extra three weeks of vacation. Let's call it four weeks because there's probably going to be some other time during that year you're going to take some time off. So you, let's say you're going to need an extra four weeks of vacation. Uh, you want two years? You know, how, What's your weekly pay rate? Look at the bonuses that you would normally get. Do you want us to just pay you the bonuses and paid time off that you can use then? right? And we can manage all that stuff according to a budget with yeah. enough time. But being able to take four weeks off, six weeks off every seven or eight years, it's not a year, but I also don't think it's a, it's a mountain that's that tall to climb if you're willing to plan for it. Yeah. The thing that, that you want to watch out for, uh, or, or here, let's, let's start with the carrot, right? The carrot is that business owners who can disconnect, and you can think of probably five or six of them that we have in our client base now who can take the three-week river cruise in Europe, or they can, they can go away and and spend. You know, their their kids are getting married, and they go out a week before the wedding. They stay a week after the wedding with family, and then they take two weeks after that to travel because they're in a different part of the country they've never seen before. And you look at those business owners, but don't think about the business owners. Think about the leadership teams of those business owners. They're way, way, way healthier than the business owners. Are like I can't leave, so. Now, that could be a function of, you know, you've surrounded yourself with people who can't live without you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that, that makes you feel good about yourself that oh, I can't leave because this would all fall apart. Or it could be that you haven't, you've surrounded yourself with people who could be capable, but you've never given them the opportunity because you're micromanaging. You won't step away from the business. You're afraid they're going to make a mistake. They don't free feel free to fail. Mm. Um, but, like, that's the opportunity that awaits you. The, and, and all you have to do is look at business owners who can do this and then look at their teams and like, I wish I had a team like that. Yeah. So that's the opportunity. The ones who can't step away, they do tend to micromanage um, and they make excuses. You know, like, like if it's something you want to do, you can do it. Right. But if you want to make excuses, you know, like we're not going to be able to convince you that it's important. But right. uh, you know, the biggest, uh, uh, we'll close with this, when, uh, when you consider, uh, go, going back to your question of identity, this is, this is really helpful 
in framing out who you are. Because if you're one of those people who will never disconnect from the business, who will never unplug, and you're, essentially your identity becomes the business, and that you look at all the other areas of your life that suffer, your relationship with your spouse, your children, your friends, your extended family members, and you go, hey, um, you can unplug from the business on a weekly, quarterly, annual, and you know, every, you know, every triannual or centennial or whatever, you can take some extended leave of absence. Oh, and you can be a better business owner. Oh, by the way, you're going to have a healthier marriage, right. healthier relationships with your kids, more connected to your friends. Your extended family are going are gonna to have relationships with you well into the time. You've normally disconnected from our aunts and our uncles and our cousins, but you're going to be at the center of that, and everybody's going to want to be with you. I mean, that's a pretty compelling argument, and it's not disconnected from work. But it requires disconnection from work. Like I think we let our relationship with work hurt a lot of those other areas. Yeah, There's a huge connection between these two. Yeah, I think that's a good way to wrap, wrap up, especially the clarification of we're not asking you to take a sabbatical day to disconnect from work, right? Uh, well, no, sorry. Let me, let me rephrase that. We are asking you to take a sabbatical day that is disconnect from your work, the kind of broad definition. Mm-hmm. But you said it's not disconnected from work. And I think that's if you can, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you can reframe the sabbatical day or your idea of a sabbatical day to that, that this is disconnecting for work, then I think you, the carrot is there. Mm-hmm. You know, if any, even to an extent, if your identity is in your work, yeah. if you can reframe this as a, as a healthy practice for my work, then it, it's. It's super beneficial to your business. There's numerous studies. It, you know, I guess there's numerous examples of that. Yeah. And, um, and it's really about, as, as much as we talked about disconnection, I think equally what we're talking about is really connecting with who you are, who God made you to be. Yeah. And that's more than just who you are at work. Yeah. Or maybe that's the point. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, everyone, and have a great day.